morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. Um, our friends out in live stream, welcome. Um, going to start out with a personal note. Has anyone ever had a Charlie horse? I mean a cramp that just... We used to have pizza night on Friday nights, and it didn't matter, but I'd get them, and they are painful. And needless to say, it was comic relief for the family watching me hobble around trying to get rid of that. But uh, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Um, coming here for several years, and I'd always marvel when Gail Turner would come up here and talk, and he'd start out and say, Shirley and I were traveling, and we ran into this couple, and he'd have this awesome story. That kind of stuff never happens to me. Well, the other day it did, and uh, we'll, we'll start out with that. Um, about two months ago, I suppose, I'm, I'm working on this job site. There's this uh, woman there, and uh, she's rough. She's got tattoos, and uh, she talks like a sailor. I mean, it's pretty bad. And for some odd reason, I like her. She is everything of a person that I do not like, but I do like her. And so through conversation, she'd stop by the job trailer, and we got to talking, and she said her dad was a Baptist minister, talked about scripture a little bit, but one day she said, I'm going to hell and I know it. And it, I've heard that before and I've always just kind of brushed it off, but this time it just, it just hit me hard. And in thinking about talking today, I knew I was going to talk about it. And then I thought about 10 years or, yeah, 10 years ago, I ran into another fella that, um, same thing, raised in a Christian home. His dad was a minister. And on the job site, he started eyeing this woman that was divorced. And we'd end up having conversations about biblical things before that. Um, very good. He was very well versed in the word. Um, we'd have awesome talks. But when he started seeing that woman, he started justifying himself to the point that we even got into an argument one day that hell would not be that bad. And I, I thought, well, you know, in Matthew 22, it talks about, Matthew 22, 13, you can turn there if you want, um, talking about outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, where there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, to me, how do you justify your earthly actions to an eternity of that? That just didn't make sense to me. And likewise, uh, Luke 16, 19, there was a certain rich man... Um, hang on technology 
which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented. Any of you that work outside or work at all and you get busy and you don't take a drink for a while and... When you need a drink, you need a drink. You're guzzling those little 16-ounce bottles of water quickly. So a tip of your finger with water on it for all eternity that he'll never get. Just wow. So it made me think how you justify, how you can be raised in a godly home and justify um, yourself for what, 40 or 50 years of earthly pleasure compared to an eternity of torment um, just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <clears throat> anyway, our, uh, our friendship ended uh, after he started seeing that woman. Um, not by my uh, choice, but his choice. He didn't want to talk to me anymore. He just, uh, I think he made his decision. He knew it was wrong. And honestly, I don't know what happened to him. He, I mean, hopefully he changed his mind. But So anyway, you have to ask yourself why people make the choices they do. Two different people I've talked about. Um, the woman I work with, she brags about her wife. Almost to the point, it's a chip on her shoulder. She wants you to engage her to try to knock it off, which I don't. I would like to broach the subject with her sometime, but I haven't figured out the right way to do it. So anyway, let's circle back to the Charlie horse detail. Um, so when I get them, I get them in both legs usually, inside of my legs. And so... You can't stand up, you can't sit down, and you're walking around like a monkey. I mean, it is, it's ridiculous. So imagine not being able to stand up or sit down. You have this pain that's just relentless. And imagine you can't have any relief from that. And that's just a physical pain. I think hell will be worse, way worse. Um, some relief would be nice. So, if you're here today and you have a calling in your heart, that is God through the Holy Spirit calling you. The, he, the God that created everything is calling you, called me, called the people here that are in here that have answered the call called all of us. 
And if you haven't made that choice, you have to ask yourself, well, why would he call me? I'm, I can't bring anything to the game. The fact of the matter is, he is calling you. And if you're expecting a Damascus Road experience, it doesn't always happen that way. Somebody up here talking about scripture may or may not change your mind. If you are getting the call, I encourage you to answer it because these days we're living in, they've been saying the end is near my whole life. And I'm here to tell you that it's closer than it was yesterday. So if you are on the fence and you think you have time to make that choice, maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you not sure, imagine when you transform from this time to eternity and Jesus is standing there with open arms and he says, welcome home. How awesome will that be? So... With that, um, are there any prayer requests or praise reports? for Jordan. Uh, anyone else? Also, you may have seen in an email, um, Susie Faye's dad has passed away, and there are tenders here. Most of you know them. Um, let's keep them in our prayers, too. Uh, anyone else? Okay, let's pray. Phil? Open your Bibles to the, chap the book of Psalms, Psalm 18. I was actually feeling pretty good about the message until the opening. Sometimes it affects me more than others when I pick up the Word of God and attempt to expound on it. Realizing that heaven and hell depends on it. I'm sure that the message today will affect each one of us in different ways. 
Let's read together from Psalm 18. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, thank you, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of, my, of ungodly men made me afraid. That's fear. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. And he cried unto my God, and he, he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The fountains of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, a fire out of his mouth devoured Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet, and he rode upon the cherub and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters, thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave up his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them, and shot out lightnings and disfitted them. Then the channels of the waters were seen, the fountains of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. That speaks of security. The Lord was my stay in the midst of calamity. He brought me forth also, verse 19, into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. And that word buckler, you're familiar, is more of a portable sword or portable shield that would attach to the wrist of a soldier that he could quickly defend himself. The Lord is my buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock 
save our God. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me up on high places. And some of your Bibles would say a young deer or a young female deer, hinds feet, that would speak of sure-footedness in high places, security again. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine hands, mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. Again, speaking of security. Verse 46, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed evermore. That's you and I. We live in a fallen, broken, shattered, and segmented world. A shaken world. And to those who put even just a little bit of their trust in the world around them and its systems and the men of the world, to those when their world becomes shaken, if they put even a little bit of their trust in that when it becomes all shook up, their security and their faith goes with it. When we lose our security in God, it's our tendency then to react in fear, and that leads to a lot more distresses in life. The hard fact is, as we that live here in this world, we tend to depend upon it, don't we? Our finances depend on its systems. Our occupations depend on the world's economic system. Our food comes from this earth. But if you read your Bible, you know that these things will crumble. And then what? When our trust in men and the things of this world crumbles, our faith and security goes down with it. David said in the seventh chapter of Psalm, verse 1, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. And he says here in the 18th chapter, verses 1 through 3, in my words, 
You are my security, and you alone do I put my trust. From a biblical perspective, there is no reason for a believer to put their trust in any other than God. From a biblical perspective, it makes absolutely no sense to put our faith and our trust in shifting sand, moving parts, and a shattered world. There's no security in that at all. And so I'm, this morning, my motive is just to remind you of that because we already know it. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we have to be told once in a while that it makes absolutely no sense to put our faith and our trust in a shaken world. That's why I've titled this morning's message, Finding Security in God while living in a shaken world. I picture it this way. Picture a man or a woman walking across a frozen lake appears to be extremely peaceful. And then the ice begins to crack. And he steps over here and the ice begins to crack takes another step, the ice begins to crack. Then it begins to break. He's jumping, he's hopping, and then it begins to break in pieces, and he finds himself on an iceberg. If he listens to what Chris said in the opening, he will call out to God. And according to the promise of God, God will save them. But it's so interesting to me. I'm not God, and so I don't fully comprehend it, but we call out to God. He reaches down his arm of grace, and he extends his hand, but he lets us still walk in this cold, broken, shattered world. Under us, it seems so insecure. But when we have our hand in his hand, he does not let us sink. We find security. We find real security in the hand of God while walking in this cold, frozen broken up and shattered and shaken world. The promise is that someday God will pull us out. And we rest in that promise. Meanwhile, the believer totally trusts in God and he finds his true security in him while living in this shattered world. Why? He is the 
no real particular order to this. God is immovable. We find security in God because God does not move. Everything around us shifts. Everything around us moves. Everything around us will eventually fall apart, die, and decay. But God does not move. Now, that's easy for me to tell you when your life is falling apart, when you're hurting for some reason, and you feel shattered. It's easy for the pastor to say, trust God, God does not move. But really, that's more profound than we may think of it on its surface. I can't really give you anything else. If you're hurting this morning, trust God. God does not move. That's why the Hebrew writers, I just, I love reading the Old Testament. It seems like the Hebrew mind works more with things I can relate with. The Greek mind and us Western culture works more in abstract thinking. And that's the, the Psalm 18 is, is a perfect example. David says, God, you are my rock. He not only emphasizes rock, but he says, you are my rock. I can tell you this morning, God is a rock, as solid as it gets. But until you make God your rock through Jesus Christ, who is the rock, you will not have security. David says, you are my rock. You are my deliverer. You are my strength. You are my buckler. You are my horn of salvation. God, you are my high tower. I find security in you. When everything around me is shaken and my enemies are oppressing me, God, you are all that I have. God is immovable. I can't find a better explanation of God than a rock. God is immovable. I simply remind you of that, that when the world is shaking, and in this case on fire, smoking, thundering, lightnings, hailstones, and fire, God is our rock, and he shall not be moved. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 27, and this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving the kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Our security is not in the things of men. Our security is in the immovable kingdom of God. When we yield our life to God and put our total trust in Jesus Christ, 
for our salvation, I believe that our salvation is secured. We find security through Jesus Christ in our initial salvation. And the Bible says it is sealed by the Holy Spirit. But this morning's message goes beyond our security in our initial salvation. It goes into our walk of life. We can, while we're walking in this broken, shattered world, we can find security in God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is immovable. He is our rock, our high tower, our mountain, our sure foundation, the Bible says, God is immovable and I can be secured in him even when walking in this broken world. Number two, God is immortal. God is immortal. That's a word that we don't use just a lot in our English language. Children, listen. God is alive. This word immortal just simply means God has always lived and God will always live. God never was born into life like I was born into life and you. God has always been life. He is life. And he's always been alive and he always will be alive. The definition for immortal is life. Not subject to death or decay. God cannot die. God cannot de decay. While everything around us is crumbling and will eventually die, fade away, and decay, God is immortal. And so this morning I can just... When you when you're, find yourself in a situation, even, this, even the world systems that's around us today, hollering and screaming uh, brokenness and shaky, shaky uh, situations and politics and uh, everything. I mean, we can use example after example. I just remind you this morning in the midst of it all, while you're hearing it on the news, while you're watching it in daily living, while you're feeling it within yourself, God is immortal. God is alive. That, this word immortal speaks about his life past, which goes on ever how many eons old God is forever, forever past. God has always been alive. That brings a form of security to me when I think about the history of God and everything that he has written, even in his word, in past. But this morning, I find security in the fact that God is immortal in the present. God is alive today. That means that when the leaves are changing out there so beautifully, that's God striking his paintbrush. That means that when you're hurting in some way, God is right there lifting you up, wrapping his arms around you because God delights in you and he loves you. God is immortal. This word immortal is some big old word, but to me, present tense, it means God's alive in your life today and we can find security in him. It also speaks about God's life forever future. God is alive past, present, future, 
and I have a hope in him that is secure. I remind you this morning, while walking in this broken, shattered, and shaken world, God is immortal. And in the immortal, Im, immortal ability of God, God brings security in our life. When something tragic happens, we can trust him because we know that he is alive. The best way that we understand that is through Jesus Christ again. Because God is immovable, we understand that best through Jesus Christ, who is the rock. Because God is immortal, we learn best of that through Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. Jesus Christ lives on. He is alive forevermore. And the Bible says, because he lives, you can live also. So don't get caught up in this shattered world, thinking that it's going that your life, spiritual life, is, is threatened and going to die and going to decay because God is immortal, because Jesus Christ died and rose again, you can someday take on immortality. In the midst of this dark, cold, shaken earth, spiritually speaking, you are immortals through Jesus Christ. Think about that when you're threatened with death. Number three, why can we have security in God? while walking and living in this shattered world because he is immutable. Another big word that starts with I. I know that this point number three is just part of this message, but as I've thought about it, it really becomes the whole. God is immutable. And this gets real big when we're walking in this shaken world. If you want to experience true security in God while living here in this shaken world, put your faith and your total trust in God's immutability. There's a lot I'd like to say here. Um, skipping through some notes, just listen closely, children. When you're hurting, well, listen closely, teenagers, parents, middle-aged and older ones. When you are struggling, when you are hurting, and everything around you is shaken. Now think about it. You've been diagnosed with cancer, and some of you have, and it shakes your world. It's like putting you in the bottle of earth and just shaking you. And yet, you have peace. 
when you're struggling with anything, we find true security in the immutability of God. And that word, I looked up the definition. I'm not just seeing it right here, but it means that God is unable to change. It means that God does not change. It means that God does not move. It means that there is no variableness in God. That's the word I was looking for. God does not change his rules halfway through the game. And because of that stability and the immutability of God, we can find true security in a shaken world. And this is a truth we need to hang on to. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. Familiar passage. Verse 17, Hebrews 6, 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. That's real time. That's us living in this broken world, fleeing for refuge. And we can reach out and find security in the immutability of God. The Bible mentions hope, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. That's our security in him. We have a rock-solid hope in this shaken, broken world because of the immutability of God. It says our hope here is based on two things. It's based on the immutability of God's counsel. And I don't know if you can get the big picture here as I thought about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in a big council room, the throne of heaven in some time eons past. God himself, because of his immutability, laid out a plan, God spoke it, and because of his immutability, because God cannot change, it will come to pass, just like he laid it out in the throne room in the council of heaven. And number two, our hope is based on the promise, it says here. The promises of God's word, they are true. They are yea and amen. They will not change. If God spoke it, it will come to pass. The immutability of God makes our hope rock solid. It says here, as an anchor. We can't get any more solid than that. You think about a bridge embutment with anchors going back into the concrete and heavyweight equipment going across that bridge. There's nothing more solid than an anchor. Our hope is an anchor. It is sure. It is steadfast. So when you find yourself living in a broken world or you turn on the news 
or you listen to somebody whining and complaining about everything that's going on in politics and your world is getting turned upside down because you're reacting in fear and you don't know where this is going to go because you can't see the future, your hope is rock solid as an anchor. Because of the immutability of God, he does not change. He is immortal, he's alive, and he is immutable. And the last point that I would like to make is God is indescribable. And you may ask, how can I find security in something or someone that I can't explain or I cannot describe? That's the point. That's the point. Again, there's a lot that could be said. God is indescribable. He is beyond our imagination. This really adds to our security that we have in God. So, Think about it. You lose a loved one un unexpectedly. Or your teenage child rebels. Or you've been diagnosed with cancer. Or your finances have turned upside down. On and on. And yet, in the midst of it, you have a peace that you cannot explain to anybody else. That's what I'm talking about. That is having security in a God that you cannot explain. Our peace is unspeakable. What if what if you knew everything about the love of God? The Bible says that we know his love through Jesus Christ. And yet in Ephesians 3 it says that we cannot measure it. What if you knew everything about heaven? There's a lot in the Bible about heaven. Men have written books, good men have written good books about heaven. And yet, volumes and volumes, and we cannot explain heaven. What if you could define God? What if you could fully explain him? Go for it. I'll give you five minutes or 10, or a decade, I'll give you a lifetime to explain God and to fully explain and define Him. You cannot do it. 
I cannot do it. And in this, as abstract as it may seem, I find security. Because I realize that my God is bigger than any problem I've got. My God is bigger than any question that I'm trying to answer right now. My God is bigger. I cannot describe him. I cannot define him. He goes beyond my explanation. He goes way beyond my imagination. And in this, I find security. And there's a lot that I'd like to say there. It kind of goes along with Ryan's opening before Sunday school. We're just learning. We're just learning. I came to the Lord 39 years ago, as of last week, October 4th, 1981. I know so much more about God now than I did then, but I know so little. I am still learning. God is so big and I'm so small. And in this I find security because when I think I know it all about what's happening around me, I realize I know nothing and God knows everything. And I find security in this great big God that I can't describe, that I cannot fully explain. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. While you're turning there. What is that? As we think about your security in Christ, and I actually applied this to me, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but I wonder sometimes if the way people view us, believers, is our cup half full or half empty? And I really thought of it like this. I, I think it really gets down to, you may call it an attitude, you may call it a mood, but I think it really gets down to our security that we have in God. If you are truly secure in Him, really the Bible says your cup is not half full or half empty. David says in Psalm 23, when enemies was around him, his cup was full and running over. It says here in Ephesians, we'll go there in a minute, that though we cannot explain him, we are filled with the fullness of God. A believer that is totally trusting in God and is fully secure in him regardless of what the world is doing around him as it falls apart, if his security is truly in God, his cup is full and running over. Shame on us when the broken world, the people of the broken world out there sees our cup half empty. Shame on us. 
for not truly having our security in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, as we bring this to a close, verse 16. 316, that he would grant you according to the riches of the glory. So you think about God being indescribable. The riches of his glory, can you fully explain it? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded there's the security in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth our knowledge. Get your mind around that. Through Christ, we can know the love of God, and yet it goes beyond our knowledge. We cannot fully explain it. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Full, and that the Greek terminology here is full and running over. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think to the power that worketh in us. That is beyond our description, beyond our imagination. God is beyond our imagination. It's no wonder John grappled for words as he wrote the book of Revelation. It's no wonder he couldn't fully explain him and describe him. God is indescribable. God is beyond our imagination. His peace is unspeakable, his love measureless. His mercy is as far as the east is from the west. His great goodness is abundant, it says in Psalm 145. His grace is greater than all of our sin, we sing. He will save us to the uttermost. His ways are past finding out. His life is abundant. And this does not stop. It goes on and on and on. We cannot fully describe our God. He goes beyond our description, beyond our imagination. And in this, I find security. We can find security in God while walking in this shaken world. 1 Corinthians 15 57, 58. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's have a song.